well, I don't know quite what to say about that. <laughs> but do you know what? I, I've really enjoyed doing this series on Colossians. You know, I feel like I know Colossians in every version because I've read every version of it um, and back to front and, and in and out and everything. But it's, it's great to get the word of God into us. You know, so often we'll do like a Bible plan year, a reading plan, and we read and we read and we read because we're ticking off a box that we've read the Bible in a year. Sometimes we just really need to focus. In order for us to take it in, we really need to focus on what the Word of God is saying. And so that's why we've decided to do a book study this time. And so we're on chapter 3, so I'm going to read Colossians chapter 3. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful uh, earthly things lurking within you, Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have been stripped of your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. It's a great chapter, but it's a challenging one. So when Paul is writing, and he's writing to this church, um, the Colossian people, because Epaphras has been said to him, look, these guys are great. This is a great church. But you know what? There's all this stuff going on around, and I'm just a bit concerned about it. So Paul is writing into that. He's writing in a place of love. He's not writing to tell them off. He's just reminding them, okay, guys, I need to remind you of a few things. I need to make it very clear clear who Jesus is. And so Keith talked to us about Jesus um, being the supreme God. He's the invisible um, image. He's the visible image of the unseen God. He was there at creation. You were reconciled to God 
through the blood of Jesus. We learned from Aaron last week about the, the whole culture of do-it-yourself do it salvation, if you like. You know, that whole thing of if you do all these things, if you put all these rules and regs in place, then you will be free. And some of them even used to beat themselves into submission. If I beat this body, I can get free from all this. But Paul said at the end of chapter 2, you think this seems like a wise idea, but they provide no help to conquering a person's evil desires. Why is that? Because we are trying to deal with a spiritual internal problem with external means. And we can't do that. It's never going to work. And so Paul writes now in chapter 3, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Some versions say seek, look for, focus on the things of heaven, the things of Jesus, his culture, his kingdom. How do we keep focused? Now, you may not know this, many of you have known me for many years, but I actually wear contact lenses. I'm actually pretty blind without them, which is great at Christmas because the Christmas tree looks brilliant. For those who don't have great sight, when you look at the lights, it just looks really good. But when you're trying to see the clock in the middle of the night, not so good. So we've got quite a big clock. Um, and if I haven't got my lenses in and I can't see and I want to focus, I have to get really close to it. It's the only way I can focus. And sometimes, when we want to focus on God, we need to move ourselves closer to him so that we can see him. The other thing I have a problem with, because of my age, is reading up close. So now I can't see that way and I can't see this way. So in order to help me with that, I have to get bigger writing. I write, if it looks like I've got loads of notes, it's just simply because I can't see them if they're not big writing. I have to make things bigger in my world in order to see them clearer. And so with God, not only do we need to get in close to focus, sometimes we just need to make him bigger in our world in order for us to see him. It also says in, in verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life. Think. Paul is saying, don't just focus on Jesus. Think on him. Dwell on him. Meditate on him. Concentrate on him. Think about the cultures of heaven. Think about the characteristic of God. How would Jesus deal with this situation? How does Jesus deal with us? What sort of people will be in the kingdom of heaven? If you listen to Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, it says the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers, the pure in heart. They're the people that carry the culture of heaven. So Philippians tells us, fix your thoughts on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think on the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, 
everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Why do we keep focused on Jesus? Why do we look to him? Because we can't do this without him. We can't. We can't. We can see the Jewish nation tried. But we need empowerment from the Holy Spirit. Because it's a, it's a battle. It's a fight. If it was possible for us to achieve this on our own, then good God wouldn't have needed to send his son Jesus to die. That wouldn't have been necessary. Jesus wouldn't have left us with the Holy Spirit to empower us and help us. The reality is what Paul is saying is, guys, you cannot do this on your own. You need Jesus. And so we're thinking on him and we're focusing on him. And then Paul goes on to say, look, let me just draw attention to some of the stuff that's going on around you, some of the cultures of this world, which is causing a bit of a problem. So then he has this hit list. (laughs) Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. I've put those down as our physical behaviors. Anger and rage, our emotional behaviors. Greed, a mindful behavior. And malicious gossip, slander, and dirty language, our verbal behaviors. The Bible says these behaviors lead to God's wrath or God's anger. Now, aside from God's wrath and anger, I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like a sort of place that I really want to live. You know, I don't really want to live in a city with all this sexual immorality and anger and jealousy and gossip and some bad language. That's not where I want to live. It's not where I want my family to live. It's certainly not where I want to bring my kids up. And when we start looking at the culture of this earth, we go, no, thank you. Now, the first set of these behaviors, we can, we, we being as Christians, we can accept that they're a bit problematic. You know, we put on our Christian frowny face and go, sexual behavior, that's wrong. Sexual immorality, fornication, pornography. And it is. And it's wrong because it's a distortion of what God created. God created something to be intimate and pure and loving in the safety of a committed relationship, and it's being used for selfish gains, causing hurts, damage, division to families, communities, ensnaring people, living in lives of shame and guilt and secret and lies. You know, God isn't just wants to just beat people up for the sake of it. He's not saying, don't you, can't do, can't do, can't do. He's saying, guys, this stuff damages you. This is not what I want for you. There is a better way. And so he addresses some of those physical sins. And then he goes on to talk about, um, actually what he says to them is put them to death. There is a word, and I can't, it's called necrosate, meaning literally to make dead, when he says about putting them to death. He's not saying just brush them aside a minute, or uh, just put them on the back burner, or uh, let's just pretend they're not there. 
we'll smile and we'll look all good, but actually know this is going on. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, kill them. Put them to death. Now, at the beginning of spring, we, we decided in our front garden, we, it looked a mess. To be honest, we've got these shrubs. So we chopped them right down, right down to the root. And our, and our whole thing is you couldn't really see the mess anymore because all the roots is underneath and it was just these little stubs. And we said to each other, right, what we'll do is in the summer, we will pull those roots up and we will reset the garden. Well, of course, who knows that we set these projects and <laughs> they don't get done. And so, so those roots stayed there. We're now in autumn. And can I just say, I can't grow anything. But those roots, oh, my goodness, they are thicker. They're coming up. They're shooting up. They're just taking over. And I'm like, gosh, how frustrating. We have to start all over again because we didn't pull the roots up from the beginning. And what God wants us to do is let's get to the root of the problem. How many know that we often deal with symptoms of problems? We never deal with the roots. We don't get down and pull them out and dig them out. But this is what Paul's saying. These old cultures, they're going to keep coming back. You've got to kill them. You've got to put them out. Now, the next, next set of behaviors that Paul mentions, they're a little bit more subtle. These might be what we would call the lesser sins. Because often people will do these on a daily basis. Maybe we might find ourselves getting a little bit angry at times. Or greedy, jealousy and envy coming to play there a little bit. And then we struggle with those sneaky little lies that just slip out of our mouth when we're not really thinking about them. And then malicious behavior, slander, bad language. Now, these can be tricky. I understand these are tricky sometimes when you're in a workplace um, and you are working with people of a different culture. You know, I understand these can be hard. Um, maybe you hang out with a group of friends who have a different culture and it's very easy to slip into their culture rather than bring your culture to them. But sadly, they creep into the church too. I had to look up what malicious behavior was. And Collins Dictionary says, someone's words or actions that are intended to harm people or their reputation or cause them embarrassment and upset, that might be merely malicious gossip. Slander, the action or crime, as it turns out, of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Now, I don't know about you, but that does sound a bit like gossip to me. In all my years in ministry and my various roles and in various different churches, because I did travel around Britain for five years, um, so I saw a lot of different churches. But I think I can confidently say that one of the most detrimental and damaging behaviours to the Church of Jesus Christ is gossip, slander and lies. It damages relationships, it causes division and it splits churches and it's one of the main strategies of the enemy. After all, we know he's the father of lies. John 8, 44 says, When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is the liar and the father of lies. And yet sometimes we allow that to creep into our hearts. Colossians 4, a bit further on, says, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive, 
so that you will have the right response for everyone. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. James, in his book, this is James, brother of Jesus, he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. As Christians living in the kingdom of light, we need to be able to address these issues in love and grace and truth. If you have a problem with somebody, don't tell everybody else. Go and talk to them about it. And if somebody comes to talk to you about it, be gracious enough to hear what they've got to say. Because that is the kingdom of light. That's where relationships grow and thrive. Who knows that if we can work through our conflicts, we are stronger together. But the enemy, he wants to divide. And so something I find really easy, just a really, really easy way to think about this, is before you speak, think. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it important? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Think. It's a very simple thing, but sometimes it can really help. I find it really interesting that Paul um, just brings attention to these particular cultures. And if you read a lot of the letters, actually, from Paul, James, Peter all through the letters. Um, these are cultures that keep being mentioned. And so I pondered thinking, why these particular things? Why do you keep, why does this same thing keep coming up through the letters? And I realized that all of these cultures are divisive and damaging. They cause divisions in our relationships. That's often the physical sense. They cause, relation, they cause um, division in our families, our friendships, and our churches. Paul, in speaking to the people, says these old behaviors are damaging and divisive. You need to kill them. You need to strip them off. You, that is not who you are anymore. Verse 9 says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You know, when you strip off, it's not just a case of taking it off, because we're killing it as well. We are getting rid of. The Bible tells us we're new creations. We're not bound by the sinful habits anymore. That's the great thing of salvation, that we are free not to sin. We're free not to sin. We don't have to live that way anymore. We are free from it. And so Colossians, if you remember, Colossians 1, verse 11, this is why. You may be filled, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in light. For he has rescued you out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave us. We don't need to live in this place 
with these cultures anymore because we have been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, into the kingdom of light. So it gets better. You'll be pleased to know it does get better, this bit. That's it. Because Paul's not telling the church off. He's going, I want to remind you, you don't need to live like this anymore. So we get to verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. This new creation is part of a family which favors no race, no nationality, no class, no culture, no ethnicity. <laughs> Sorry. It only favors Jesus. Because in this new family, Jesus is all and in all. The work of Jesus Christ, it breaks down the barriers. So these barriers, these div- this, this, can you see there's been a flip here now already? We've got divisive, divisive, divisive. Jesus going, I am just taking all the barriers of division away. That's not my kingdom. That's not my culture. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are from, how intelligent you are. You are in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and he loves you. And so we move from divisive culture, divisive behaviors, divisive habits, into the kingdom of light. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the place you'd want to live? Isn't that the place you'd want to bring your kids up in? It's the way I'd want to live. And so we look at some of these things, um, some of these cultures that are in this kingdom. Tender mercies. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a bruise on your arm, but if somebody touches it, oh, it's a bit tender. hurts a bit. And I think with the whole tender mercies, what Paul is trying to say is, guys, I want you to be so sensitive to other people's hurts and pains that you feel... You feel their pain with them. When you touch on something that is hurting, you are aware of it and you help and you come alongside. Kindness. The ancient writers defined um, crestotes as a virtue of the man whose neighbor's good is as dear to him as his own. This is a man whose neighbor's good is as important, as dear to him, as his own. Matthew 22, Jesus speaking, he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. When he's talking about kindness, he's talking about this level of kindness, that you are loving somebody as much as you would love yourself. You are treating them the way that you would want to be treated. 
And then we have humility, gentleness, patience. Humility, that wasn't really considered a virtue in the ancient Greeks, surprisingly enough. They obviously thought they didn't need to be humble. But it's so important. And gentleness through humility, that affects my actions. When I'm gentle through my humility, the way I act towards other people, what I say, means I'm not going to dominate them. I'm not going to manipulate them. I'm not going to coerce them for my own ends, even if I have the power and ability to. Gentleness through humility affects my actions. Patience through humility affects my reactions to other people. So I'm not going to become impatient or give a short, snappy answer or be filled with resentment to somebody because, you know, they haven't done the right thing or they're not as good as I think they should be or actually they've fallen and sinned. So humility and gentleness and patience is about how we respond to other people. Paul goes on, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive everyone who has offended you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, division, harmony. And let peace come from Christ who rules your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace, division one body and always be thankful and I'm coming into land now band so if you want to jump up let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives sings sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts and whatever you do or say do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. You know, God's love for us is so great. His faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. As we focus more on the cultures of heaven and on Jesus and less on the cultures of the world, all our relationships are strengthened. Our relationship with God is strengthened. Our relationship to our families are strengthened. Our relationship to our friends and to our church is strengthened. Paul lovingly instructs the church in Colossians. He's not telling them off. He's simply saying, guys, there is a better way to live. Remember, you don't need to live here anymore because you have been set free. We're going to spend a little bit of time now just really quickly focusing on who Jesus is. Because when we get to Jesus in his rightful place and allow him to do the work within us, things start to change. This is where we go. We're focusing on you, God, because we can't do this on our own. We recognize that we cannot do this without you. We need the power of your Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, 
since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the faith, life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And so we're going to we're going to sing a couple of songs. First, we're going to just focus on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then I just want us to think about, you know, this stuff, God, that I might be struggling with in my life. Now I've got you in focus. Can, can we deal with this? Can you help me with this? Can I bring this to you to the foot of the cross? Because listen, Jesus doesn't want you to live in bondage and sin. He doesn't want you to live with guilt and shame. He set you free. You don't need to live in that anymore. He wants you to live in his kingdom of light. His kingdom of love and of grace. And so as we just stand together now and as we worship, just focus, focus on him. Jesus, I am putting you as my focal point. And then, Jesus, I am just laying down this stuff. I don't want to live in this anymore. I don't want to live in the world's culture. I'm going to live in your kingdom culture. So shall we stand? <laughs>